Of the organizations using 360-degree feedback, 95% of them use it solely for individual development. But are they gaining the full value that a 360 assessment could provide? From the organization and individual perspectives, the future could be much better. In this episode, we explore a dramatically improved future for all leadership development and specifically for how we might use 360-degree feedback data. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th Percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my good friend and leadership legend, Jack Zanger. Hi, Bri. Hello. I'm looking forward to diving into this fantastic article that you wrote a few weeks ago. Uh, I remember back, way back in 2010, when I started working at Zinger Folkman just after I graduated, and I hearing the term talent management, and I remember naively asking, well, isn't leadership development and talent management kind of the same thing? And it was then that I learned that they are quite different. But today, we're exploring why maybe they shouldn't be so separate. Yes, a few organizations, such as PepsiCo, have pioneered the use of 360s to include what we will label talent management. Talent management means decisions about retention, promotions, selection, a specific assignment in the company, or the overall company-directed leadership development process. Mm -hmm. Thoughtfully controlled, orchestrated talent development initiative at the corporate level really contrasts with the more common individual and, and personally managed development approach. Mm -hmm. Now, other organizations, such as General Mills and Celgene, that's now part of Bristol-Myers Squibb, made limited data available to the participant's immediate manager. To involve the managers more, one of these organizations conveyed the participants' three highest and lowest competencies, and they gave that to the immediate manager, but they didn't give any statistical data, nor did they pass on the written comments. You know, the troubling fact is that the people in the organization who could benefit the most by having better data are the upper management and the HR function. Yeah. They're the ones who are kept in the dark. After all, the peers and direct reports of the participants are generally aware of the leader's strengths and shortcomings. It's upper management and HR who would most benefit from the data. Yeah. So basically all of these, you know, this is very telling data about a person's performance and it's not being shared and it could potentially be pretty extremely useful when making decisions about the future of the organization. Like you said, you pointed out in your article that this 360 degree feedback data is more powerful than any psychometric self-assessment or traditional interviewing process that you would do. And not only that, the organization has gone to the expense, the trouble, and the time to collect valuable data, but they're, you know, they only gain part of its potential value. So why not squeeze all the juice out of the lemon, like, like you say? Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, this this reminds me of the episode we did a while back on our high potential leaders data and how often those who are chosen, we found are not the best pick. In fact, they are occasionally in the lowest quartile of all the leaders in terms of their 360 degree feedback scores and frequently in the bottom half of those assessed because like we're talking about, they just don't see all of that information. So Jack, could you reiterate for our listeners, why is this happening? Well, typically a senior manager recommends the so-called hypos. That is usually driven by the executive's desire to further the career of those in his or her power base. But the leader often doesn't have the benefit of any objective, multi-rated or 360-degree feedback data. They have no comparisons. And they have no information about how this person that they're proposing as a hypo, how his or her subordinates view that person's performance. You know, we have data confirming that when an organization provides even partial feedback to managers, the frequency of that misassignment to the hypo program plunges dramatically. That is very interesting. Now, you mentioned that many companies have lamented that the gains from leadership development initiatives, uh, while they're generally positive, they are more modest compared to what they could and should be. And that, I mean, that's a big deal for us to, to say, considering that is what we sell. So why do we see the gains for some organizations as modest compared to others who are seeing these really big changes? Bree, the truth is there are seldom any teeth in the purely developmental process. Now, only individual participants have any real visibility into their development progress. Their manager doesn't know if there are low scores that signal a potential fatal flaw. There are no specific monitoring mechanisms. As a result, the data can easily be swept under the rug, lest anyone help be held accountable to make the obvious changes it calls for. You know, that can and must change in the long run. Yeah, makes sense. All right, let's let's get down to the golden question then. Why why has 360 data not been shared? What are the reasons? Well, concerns have been expressed about using an expanded, you know, set of objectives for the 360 degree feedback data. And these arguments have been, you know, persuasive. 80 years ago when the 360 degree feedback was first introduced, this limited sharing of data was probably extremely helpful in gaining acceptance for the basic idea of multi-rater feedback or 360-degree feedback. Mm -hmm. The world is moving on. Are those reasons still valid? We think not. The reasons were, number one, watered-down responses. The concern is that by sharing the data with the manager and or the company HR organization, that the respondents would be more toned down in their answers. Hmm. They would be more guarded. They would lack candor. A second concern was kind of over-reliance. Managers receiving the data about direct reports performance, about how they were perceived, may put greater stock in that. They would over-rely on that information 
and it would supplant their own judgment and observations. And a third concern was, would there be kind of cherry picking of raters? Uh, a broader usage could influence the selection of raters. Many organizations currently encourage the participants to be involved in selecting who will be their raters. That generates greater confidence in the validity of the feedback they ultimately receive. And a broader, more impactful usage of the data you know, might cause participants only to select those people with favorable perceptions versus those who may have more constructive suggestions for improvement. Hmm. The most confident participants would deliberately choose those that they know to be somewhat critical of them. Ah, I see. Well, all valid reasons. So let's look at the four steps that you mentioned that organizations can take to possibly change things. Uh, the first was determining organizational readiness. This would not be a good option for all organizations out there. Its success depends on a high level, you said, of trust permeating the organization. It requires management and HR sophistication regarding the sensitive issues of collecting and protecting personal data and how it's used. People are very sensitive about that, as they should be. It also requires courage and an egalitarian approach to cross-sharing data. Organizations must abandon old hierarchical notions that rank has its privilege. Instead, everyone plays by the same rules, which I like. Yeah, exactly. And the second step I suggested was clearly differentiating the new approach. When introducing an expanded usage for 360-degree feedback data, respondents in the new 60-degree process and the more talent development-oriented process need to be absolutely clear about how it differs from the past. They need to understand that the new process will share statistical data with their immediate manager and with appropriate HR people. Organizations probably should give the process a brand new label, 360-degree feedback for talent management and, per and personal development, mm -hmm. or any title that clearly distinguishes it from its predecessor. Yeah, that's a great idea. The third thing you suggested was role modeling. When Dell Computer conducted an internal 360-degree feedback process, the senior executives received some less than flattering feedback. Uh, when Michael Dell and then-President Kevin Rollins reviewed the data, they had the same choice that all senior executives have. They could keep the data to themselves, which 99% of executives do, or publish the results on the company intranet. They chose the latter. Consider all the signals that this simple act sent. First, that no one is perfect. Second, we can all get better. Third, we all need to own up to what needs fixing. And fourth, that we should all, well, again, we should play by the same rules. Yes. And the final recommendation uh, that I made was one that I readily acknowledge is a bit more out there. 
It recognizes that change is often brought about but what, by what might be called forcing strategies. You know, management sets policies and enforces their implementation in many, in many arenas. These range from people needing to abide by safety protocols or the way they handle their travel expenses. Policies really do change thinking and behavior. Think about how the civil rights legislation in the U.S. of A. strongly influenced our current race relations improvements. Hmm. Title IX laws profoundly impacted gender equality in women's sports. I think that putting teeth into leadership development would would benefit from having a new policy. And one such policy would be that to share 360 degree feedback in both directions in the organization. That is, as a condition for the manager receiving information about his or her direct reports, 360 degree feedback results, the manager must share his or her own 360 degree feedbacks with their with their direct reports. So that not every written comment, not every statistical item but the major messages, the highs and the lows, this would create a much more democratic transparency. It would encourage behavior change at all levels in the organization. And it would do away with the traditional practice of treating people at higher levels differently than the way we treat the people in the middle and the you know, supervisory frontline leader level. Mm-hmm. Now, that may be jarring to some listeners. <laughs> we have on several occasions been in team meetings where the senior executive tossed their 360-degree feedback report on top of the table and openly discussed what they had learned about themselves. You know, there's an amazing impact on a team when the senior person shares their data with their direct reports. And Bree, you cited earlier the example of Michael Dell and Kevin Rollins at Dell Computer. That was a classic example of that. Yeah. And what's interesting about that example is that they were willing to share the bad news, right? <laughs> like It wasn't a good report and they were willing to be vulnerable and to share. I, I think it, that, yeah, that is hard. It's easy I don't know, it, it would it would seem easier to share, oh, you know, I have all these strengths and things are going well than to talk about, okay, I've got some significant weaknesses. Or maybe it would be harder because you would worry about coming off as, as boasting. But I, I definitely think it's a practice we probably need to be more open to talking about. Right. Yeah, the interesting assumption is that the people in the room would be surprised to learn this feedback about their manager. Yeah. The reality is, in most cases, especially with the direct reports and the peers, they already know it. Oh, that's true. A great deal of behavior change would follow such transparency. And that is part of the future for 360-degree feedback. Yeah. What's fun, you're funny, you're right, is that they already knew it, and the person who didn't know it was you. <laughs> so... So, um, all right, let's hop back and address those original concerns that you brought up earlier, those those three. 
So start off with watered down responses. How do we fix that? You know, in comparing data from organizations, using the approach of sharing data with immediate managers, with those companies that do not do it, we can see no evidence of inflated or deflated ratings. Uh, PepsiCo has published results that confirmed that, that fact as well. Great. Well, what about number two, the over-reliance? Well, this is a tough one because the solution to managers becoming over-reliant on this data suggests some development, especially for those managers who are getting this information for the very first time. Messages from senior executives and the HR staff can encourage managers not to substitute this information completely for their own judgment, but to use it as simply a valuable supplement in their decision-making process. Okay, so what about the last one? How do you address the practice of cherry-picking your raters so you have these amazing scores? Yeah, again, we think there are tremendous advantages in having the participant involved in the selection of their raters because there's a far more acceptance of the results. We, we would simply recommend that participants include all of their direct reports. The manager is kind of a given. He or she is always part of the equation. The place where there might be a little bit of concern is with the selection of peers. No, our average respondent numbers are 14 raters for every participant. Uh, you can remind the participants that the value of the feedback that they're going to receive will be greatly enhanced by observations coming from their raving fans mm -hmm. and from those who might have some constructive suggestions. We doubt that the overall results will be seriously altered. Yes. So this is a truth that needs to be heard. That leadership development today is not as effective as it could be. Absolutely. And we can envision a dramatically different future for many organizations. Organizations will be gaining much more from their investment in leadership development. Individuals will make consistent, sure-footed progress in developing their leadership skills. And they will have useful metrics to measure it. But, you know, I'm a realist. What I've described will not be ideal for every organization. It requires a sophisticated HR function in the company, prepared to deal with some of that added complexity. PepsiCo describes having gone through several major evolutions in the past decades as they implemented this more expansive use of 360-degree feedback for broader talent management purposes. Like any dramatic change from the past, it will take time to adjust. These are all decisions that need to be weighed. For many organizations, however, this is a practical aspiration. We hope that many will join us on that journey. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, 
leadership and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.